For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Every one of us should approach the Word of God with reverence and awe, realizing that the book that we call the Bible has contained within it the principles that address every one of us as we conduct our lives in this world. Many people wonder, is the Bible relevant? Does it address the issues of our modern era? The truth is it does. I believe the prophets are those whose message is very much needed in our world today. They call people back to living a right relationship with God. They rebuked sin. They rebuked the type of life that loses its focus upon God. This morning we're going to continue our study of the book of Amos. This is our fifth lesson in this series. There will be, Lord willing, one more next Sunday morning. This morning we're going to look at three of the woes. And as you begin our study together, we realize that the word woe is found a number of times in the Bible. In fact, if I counted correctly, there's 102 times that it is found throughout the Old and the New Testament. When you look at it, it was a term that was used at funerals, sometimes translated alas. When a person would express the grief and the sadness of their heart because someone had died who was precious indeed. In 1 Kings chapter 13, the old prophet, who had actually been responsible for saying false things to the young prophet, the young prophet's disobedience of God resulted in his losing of his life. And we read in 1 Kings 13, 29, And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it in his own tomb on his donkey, and brought it back. And so the old prophet came to the city to mourn him and to bury him. Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb and mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. The word alas there is the same word for woe. I miss you. I grieve because of your loss. The word is also used to describe grief and sadness over the condition of someone in this world. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21, Jesus said, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. When you go to the book of Jude, Jude says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. What you see when you look at all of these is that there was a passionate cry 
on the part of Amos for the people to whom he was sent to prophesy. Should we preach God's word with passion and power? Most certainly. These prophets recognize that. I want you to listen as we look at Amos chapter 5, 1 and 2, as it opens our minds to study chapters 5 and 6 together. Hear the word which I take up against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. Sometimes people don't understand it's over. It's over. For Israel, the hope was gone. Her death was certain. And so there's nothing left but to mourn her. In many ways, I'm fearful that we as a nation... We as a group of people have already set our course on going the wrong direction away from God and it is simply the fact that as a nation we've not recognized we have chosen our own fate. I want us to look at three things, these three woes. I want us to apply them. He will talk about in chapter 5 and verse 18, Woe to those who desire the day of the Lord. Chapter 6 and verse 1, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Chapter 6 and verse 3, woe to those who put off the day of doom. If you'll keep your Bibles open, let's begin with chapter 5. I want to back up to verse 16 and I want to read through verse 20. I want you to put your eyes on the text of God's Word, whether you look at it on the screen or you look at it in your Bible, because these are some powerful words from the prophet. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, There shall be wailing in all streets, and they shall say in the highways, Alas, alas! They shall call the farmer to mourning and skillful lamenters to wailing. In all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? For it will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion... And a bear met him, or as though he went into the house and leaned on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? The weeping and the wailing and the skillful lamenters that Amos refers to points to a funeral. Points to a time in which it's not very joyful, it's sad. People need to be careful for what they wish. 
sometimes people want things not realizing what they're actually going to get. These people were desiring the day of the Lord. Oh, there's a lot behind that. One thing that's obviously behind that is they don't grasp their spiritual condition. They don't see themselves as in danger, as if their lives are hanging there on a cliff just ready to fall off. In fact, they've already fallen. They just don't know it yet. These were people who were actually longing for the day of the Lord, but they shouldn't. I'd like to, to use an illustration that I think many of us could identify with. If I were to ask you, how many of you have ever seen these television clips of America's dumbest criminals? I imagine most of you have seen that. Here's a man who picks up the telephone and calls the police and he says, Somebody has stolen my cocaine and my marijuana. And the police arrive and they say, uh, You say that someone's stolen something? Yes, they've stolen my drugs. Well, you tell me what you had. Well, I had so much of cocaine and I had so much of meth and that's so Okay, you're under arrest. What do you mean? Somebody stole from me. But you were doing something illegal yourself. These are people who are calling for God to bring justice. Calling on God and saying, we want the day of the Lord. Now, there's two reasons why. Somebody says in their mind, why would somebody do that? There's two reasons. Number one is arrogance, and number two is ignorance. Let me take a moment or two to explain that. Arrogance. Arrogance is when you feel that you are entitled. You're better than others. You don't answer to the same law that others do. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. A person who feels like, I can't fall. I'm in a position where I am not to be held accountable. That kind of arrogance is where a person is just ready to fall. Solomon would put it like this in Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Let me tell you what the people were to whom Amos prophesied. They were arrogant. They looked at themselves and they said, We don't have to answer for what we do. You go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Do you realize that there are many people in our world today who are saying, God, we're looking forward to your coming. We are your people. And the reason why is they believe that they will never stumble or fall in Revelation 3 and verse 17 to the church at Laodicea, he said, Because you say, I am rich and have gotten riches and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You are a people who look at yourself thinking, I don't have to worry. Now the second 
cause of their problem was ignorance. They simply do not know. They were ignorant of what was going to happen to them. I, I just think if you look at the illustration of verse 19, it just really draws us out. Notice what he says. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. You've got this animal, this ferocious animal in front of you, and you turn and you think, I've escaped. And then what do you see? You see a bear. He said, or as a man who just escaped from that bear, he goes inside the house and he leans up on the wall and says, I escaped the bear, and then a serpent bites him. This is a man who cannot see what's in front of him. He cannot think one step ahead. He's ignorant. He only looks at the present. They were ignorant that what they were offering to God was not acceptable to him. I want you to listen to beginning with verse 21, going through verse 23. I hate, I despise your feast days, and do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. And you have to realize this is Old Testament worship. They had feast days, they had sacred assemblies, they had offerings. But God says, I hate them, I despise them. Do you realize that so many people today are offering up worship to God and they're just putting it up there as if God will take anything and everything they put up to Him regardless of how they live during the week, regardless of what His Word says, their ignorance is a real problem. The United States in 2014 is a nation in trouble because even of the religious people we have, so much of it is false religion, insincere religion. People live like the devil Monday through Saturday. They come and they sing their songs. And I guarantee you, from what the prophet Amos said, if our heart is not right, God hates the songs that we sing. I know that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. Romans 10 and verse 3 talked about those people. Paul said, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. If I create my own worship, if I create my own religion, and I offer it to God, and it's not according to His will, it's not acceptable. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3, we should not be ignorant of what's in front of us because the Bible has put it there. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. 
and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Brethren, we have the Word of God. We should not be in ignorance, nor should we be in arrogance. Very first woe. Woe to those who desire the day of the Lord. Number two, woe to those who are at ease. If you'll look with me now at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. And trust in Mount Samaria. Notable persons of the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Go over to Calana and see. And from there go to Hamath the Great. And then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? Now, I would suggest to you that the three woes dovetail one into another. And just like the previous woe where those people were wanting the day of the Lord, not recognizing they weren't ready for it, in the meanwhile, they're saying, let's live it up. Let's just enjoy everything that we can enjoy in this world. Everything is fine. I'm comfortable with the future. Folks, I I think that's a worthy question to ask. Are you comfortable with the future? Are you comfortable with the direction that things are going in our world, in our nation, in our state, in our county? Are you comfortable with the moral direction of people? Judah and Israel were trusting in Zion and Samaria. These were their principal cities. The question comes up, well, why are you so trusting in these? Well, you go to Jeremiah 7 and verse 4. Do not trust in these lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. You see, in Jeremiah's day, there were people saying, we live in Jerusalem, we live in Zion. We're God's people, God's going to take care of us. And so it really doesn't matter what we do or how we live. Men vainly trust in the wrong things. For instance, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 33, 16 and 17. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by his great or by great strength. A horse is vain hope for those or for safety, neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. I ask you a question. In our country today, in what are we placing our confidence? Think about that. Oh, we've got bombs. We could destroy the world several times over. We have great um, armaments. Oh, we've, we've got strength. All the while, the moral foundation upon which we stand is crumbling beneath our feet. Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. 
Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. We're like the rich man who only looks at what little wealth we have acquired and we put our confidence and trust in saying, everything's fine with me. Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. and There I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be whom you have provided or which you have provided? Don't you look, number three, at this third aspect, verses three through six. Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who cause the seat of violence to come near, who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out. On your couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Don't worry about judgment. Oh, we'll put that far off. In the meanwhile, let's just enjoy all the, the worldly things we have. The day of doom, the day we're going to have to pay for the things we have said, the things we have done, that's a long way off. We're not going to worry about that right now. Let me point out to you, Isaiah confronted such people. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. Isaiah chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. And in the day the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth, but instead joy and gladness, slaying of oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. God said, what I want among you is a repentant heart. People who are sorry because of the sins of the world. And they said, hey, if we're going to die, let's just eat and drink and enjoy it. Chapter 56, verses 11 and 12. Yes, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his own gain from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine and we'll fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. As long as we've got plenty and we've got more and things are increasing, we'll just keep on going the direction we're going. 
And so did Paul address this. Of course, he addressed it a little bit differently. He addressed it from the materialistic mind that says, I'm not worried about death and I'm not worried about the resurrection. I'm just worried about today. If in the matter of men I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, this idea is, is that the day of doom, that's somehow a long time off. Let me tell you the way the, the ordinary person thinks here in the world today is. We don't want to think about judgment day. We don't want to think about a day of doom, a day of darkness we want to think about all good things. We want to look and we want to enjoy what pleasures we have in this world today. And we want to not think about that. We want to put that far off and think about the enjoyment. Well, how do they comfort themselves? I want you to look at four things that are found in this passage. Very quickly. They had the best furniture. They had beds of ivory. They had couches to stretch out on. They had the best food. They had the lambs from the flock, the small ones. They had the calves from the midst of the stall. That is, they had veal to eat. They had the best musical instruments to entertain themselves. In fact, they were constantly inventing more instruments. They had the best perfumes, ointments. They smelled good. Oh, wow, this things to enjoy. Does that sound familiar? Any of this ring true to us today? But now I want you to notice that key phrase that's found at the end. But they're not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Now when you read that, the first thought, the natural thought is they were calloused and unconcerned about their poorer brethren. That is true. You remember earlier they had sold the needy for a pair of shoes? They didn't care about poor people. But there's more here. The word affliction. They're not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. The word affliction means broken, fractured. I want you to think of a bone. You trip and you fall and you break your leg. You're hurt. You need a doctor. You need someone to set that bone. You need it to have time to heal. Do you know what they're doing? They're so inebriated. They're so drunk with themselves and all they're enjoying. They're just going on and acting as if there's nothing wrong. There's an affliction in Joseph. There's problems. You're sick. And you don't know it. Jeremiah 5.3 Oh Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they've not grieved. You've consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. God said, I afflicted you, and you're not doing anything about it. Jeremiah 8, 20 through 22. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Why is nobody 
trying to heal the broken. Let me pull it all together now. These people did not think seriously about Judgment Day. That wasn't where their mind was at. Their mind was on the, the present, the now, the joy, and all they could see in the future was they wanted a day that was going to be bright and good. I'd like to know, what are your thoughts? What's on your mind? Are you ready for the judgment day? You know, the Word of God is powerful. And what makes it so powerful is that as it sinks down into the minds of good and honest people, it can change us. It can turn our hearts around. It can make us think, you know, my life's not right. I'm not a Christian. And if the day of the Lord were to appear tomorrow, it would be a day of darkness and a day of gloom. You can do something about that. When we sing this song of invitation, you can come forward and you can say, I want to be a New Testament Christian. We will baptize you into Christ for the remission of your sins. And you will then be added to the body of the saved, to the Lord's church. But folks, let, let's be honest here. Most of us here are already Christians. Let's also be honest with ourselves Many people don't live like Christians. Many people are saying things they ought not say. They're doing things they ought not do. And the Lord sees it all. And if the day of the Lord were to come, many people, as Matthew seven twenty one said, Lord, we're one of yours. Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You can do something about it. And you shouldn't put it off. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, please come as we stand and sing.